If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. The DA Gauteng leader and premier candidate Solim Sumang today asked their residents to reject the upcoming uh, state of the province that's going to be given by the premier of Gauteng. He delivered what he calls a true state of the province today. He is on the line with us this evening. Mr. Sumang, thank you for so much for being with us. Good evening. Good evening, Pimela. Good evening to the kind listeners. I hope you're well. Yeah, I am well. Thank you so much for asking. So one of the things that uh, I think all residents of Gauteng are concerned about is when they listen to the DA, for instance, you do talk a lot about investment. You do believe that, yes, um, you know, government can do one or two things, but actually money and employment will come from investment. What do you believe this province needs to do to attract the kind of investment that you speak of so much? Well, there's quite a number of things that we have to do. One is that you need to look at your infrastructure. You need to invest as government in your infrastructure. How thing is going to require half a trillion. So that's 150 billion that needs to go into Johannesburg, 100 that needs to go into Tswane, 100 that needs to go into Ekorulene, and then 150 that needs to go to the other smaller municipalities. So you're looking at about uh, um, 500 billion that needs to go in infrastructure. So that's the backlog and addressing the backlog of infrastructure. Now, that means that government is not going to be able to have that money on its own. So you now need to then look at um, the plans in terms of how do you start direct number one. You need to deal with issues of safety and security. Number three, you need to then have accountable government. That is the thing that is going to then begin to attract investors into your city, into your province, and into the country. Investors want to know that you are investing in ensuring that they have a stable supply of electricity, they have water, they have roads, but they will also have safety and security for themselves and their assets. But more importantly, they also want to know that government is not going to dilly-dally in terms of uh, managing um, you know, the public infrastructure. Mm. That's how you then begin to then attract investment. Mm. And, and I know this is not directly linked, but in a way it is, because you are the premier candidate. And, and you are, in a way, I suppose, the principal looking at some of the cities and how these cities are run. Mm. So, so mm. in Swan, we are not spending that money. Right now, there's a lot of hoo-ha mm-hmm. about the money that was not spent. And I know it's not only Tswane, so I'm not mm-hmm. isolating Tswane, mm-hmm. um, that, mm-hmm. was not spent, that was not spending money on infrastructure. You're speaking about infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And there is a possibility that if they don't do that, ex, you know, very soon, that money will have to be taken back to Treasury. You're going to have to yeah. tell us, you know, as we see so many municipalities unable to spend on this infrastructure, mm-hmm. even as they get money from Treasury, how are you going to ensure that you have got capacity of the kinds of people that are required to spend the money with accountability and yeah. that you're going to make sure also that there is proper governance when you actually do embark on these infrastructure projects? Yeah. You, you see what we started doing, Pinello, is that we started talking about the infrastructure master plan, first of all. And this is something that I was talking to earlier on, um, you know, um, in, in the address. But we also now started asking, um, you know, Twano what they've been doing. And the mayor, you know, raised a number of issues. One, he says that, you know, they had to then start addressing and, you know, tightening the screws in terms of uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, those that are involved in corrupt um, you know, in corrupt activities, don't continue to do, uh, you know, to do that. But we are also saying that long should be the long gone should be the days where money is spent, but the delivery thereof is not felt by the people on the ground. Therefore, 
you are now moving into a situation where we are saying, um, you know, you are going to spend money, but you are going to then ensure that ultimately, you know, the delivery that is felt on the ground in terms of that money that has been spent, which is something that has been missing. You find that, uh, you know, every time people are saying, um, you know, we are spending money, but on the ground, that, um, you know, money is not, or the, um, the expenditure thereof is not felt. This is something that we are now talking to. And the mayor is saying, like, you know, the unintended consequences is that, you know, in, in tightening the schools, you'd find that now certain officials are even scared of touching, um, you know, the, the, the allocated budget. And this is something that now needs to be addressed going forward and something that we will look at in the province as well. Look, um, I know that you are a township boy, so I'm not accusing you of being an urban boy and not caring for people in the community, but you know the reputation. When many Mm -hmm. of these people call in, they say, yes, the DA actually... Um, by and large, governs well. But they don't look at our townships the same way they look at, um, you know, a fancy suburb. It's a reputation that you're going to have to manage. It may not necessarily be on paper true, but you do have to address that as as the premier candidate in Gauteng. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, this is part of why I'm saying to you that the infrastructure, um, you know, master plan, we need to then talk to, um, you know, all of the province, including all the nine municipalities in the province. We need to look at the entirety of what is the backlog. And unfortunately, um, the biggest backlog is actually in our townships because you are still sitting with uh, in, inferior infrastructure that has been put out. When you're talking to roads, when you're talking to some of the pipes that have been there for water and sewer, that needs to be addressed. The, the pipes going down the line into our sewer plants and uh, the sewer plants, uh, the, the water purification plants, that needs to be addressed as well. We're talking about electricity as well, which is on another level um, something that needs to be addressed. And this is why we're also talking about introducing independent power producers and also um, those that are able to then uh, produce electricity, having um, the ability to roll some of the electricity and selling it to government. So in the townships, you would find that, uh, you know, once you start dealing um, with that infrastructure, able to then attract investment into the townships. I come from Atlantic. Atlantic used to have an old industrial area in the south, next to the Soulsville Arena or then the Soulsville Station. Mamelodi as well, next to Denebuom. And when you're on Tamaya, you have those industrial areas. Last week, I was in Pennyview. There is those old industrial um, sites that, you know, have now been left, um, you know, to decay. And these are things that if you are able to then fix them and fix that infrastructure, all the small businesses within our townships can actually then go there, operate and be able to then employ more people. This is why we're saying for us, it is important that we look into the issue of infrastructure and get the infrastructure, um, you know, right so that it, it plays a bigger role in, uh, you know, uh, transforming, um, you know, the lives of the people through an up-growing up, up um, economic activity. Mm-hmm. Mr. Msimanga, crime is a huge problem, more so in a, the economic hub of the country. Gauteng is quite mm. unique in that way and also mm. quite sophisticated because its crime is also very sophisticated and, and you know, evolves quite quickly. You know, I mm. know everybody is complaining about Amapanyaza and so on. Your immediate solution to the crime problem in this problem. Well, you know, Pimelo, we've been saying this for years, and this is the fight that we are going to take. You cannot fight, you know, crime 
the same way as you'd fight crime in uh, Limpopo or fight crime in the Northern Cape as you'd fight crime in Gauteng. The dynamics are very, very different. And you need to make sure that, um, you know, you are then taking the dynamics and the factors of a province um, into consideration when you're deciding the kind of force that you need and the kind of uh, tactics that you're going to then employ going forward. It cannot be that we continue to rely on rally, um, or rely on Begitele um, while he's uh, continuing to, you know, compete with uh, with uh, with uh, with the commissioners in the province in terms of the strategy and the tactics that needs to be followed. What we now need to do is to make sure that there is power devolved, you know, to provinces for provinces to then decide, you know, how many people they need to then employ to be um, to recruit, um, train, and employ as policemen. And with the kind of, um, you know, crimes that you now need to then start fighting, 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 fighting unit. We need a dedicated, um, you know, infrastructure unit. You need a dedicated, um, you know, organized um, crime unit. You need a dedicated um, illegal mining unit. I've, I'm, I've been and I've had this conversation with you where I've actually been to a number of police stations. Mm. And you go to Mohali City as an example. They will tell you, the police will tell you that we will not go and, you know, face up with these guys because one, they come up with, um, you know, firepower that we don't have. You come there with 9mm pistols, they come out with AK-47s and, uh, you know, R4s. You, um, um, you go in there, try to chase them, um, and they go into these tunnels, and you don't have any kind of equipment, and you're not even trained to go and combat crime, you know, underground, as, uh, you know, we would have um, or in, in, in order for us to, in the long run, address this thing. So these are some of the things that when you're looking at fighting crime, in how they need to actually be taken into consideration. But unfortunately, we have a one-size-fits-all, which is, um, you know, the biggest cause of why we are not able to then deal and fight with crime um, in a manner that we see us um, getting or yielding positive uh, results. And this is why we're saying there needs to be a change. Some of the crime, though, um, needs another kind of an approach. So I'll, I'll go, for instance, to the issue of illegal mining. Yes, Uh, I understand and I hear what you're saying about specialized units and having that kind of capacity to deal with that kind of crime. But it's also much more complex. You would also need um, to deal with abandoned mines. And that would need collaboration with perhaps National um, Department of Minerals and Energy and and other environmental affairs and, 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 and some of those. Your thoughts on how you think comprehensively and, you know, also sustainably, we would have to deal with the issue of these abandoned mines because nobody actually wants to touch them or at least take accountability. The police, as you said, are saying, well, you know, we don't really have the capacity to deal with it. Others don't agree mm. on the issue of the, uh, of the army coming in. It's a very complex issue, but it's also mm-hmm. rendering mm-hmm. us, our townships and our town actually quite vulnerable. Well, you're absolutely right, Pinello, and this is multifaceted. I think... You know, you touched on two of the aspects. One, you touched on the issue of, uh, you know, um, the mining rights or the mining activities and what uh, what mining companies' um, responsibility is after, you know, they've done with their operations. Because by law, they're supposed to then tighten up, they're supposed to then ensure that the, these mines are then closed up properly, which is not the case at this point in time. Um, you know, there's no rehabilitation of these mines that are taking place. So you're right in that. Um, you know, you then need to have 
um, the, the, the minister um, responsible for uh, minerals, um, you know, looking into this and taking responsibility of it. But in the South African context right now, for instance, if you go now to Angelo in Kuruleni or you go even to Mohali um, that I've mentioned right now, you'd find that the East Turf War between the uh, Mozambican yes. um, nationals yeah. and yeah. also the fight between the Lesotho nationals, mm. which then tells you that there is another element that needs to be brought in there. Home affairs needs to then be brought in there. Um, and then you need to then look into that as well as, as another facet to this. But there's another element to this that we have been saying there's an economic spin-off. That, uh, you know, small-scale mining, um, you know, as it's happening right now, is a multi-billion dollar, um, you know, industry that if we are able to then start regularizing it and, uh, you know, really um, um, putting um, systems in place that we know who's mining, what are they mining? Where are they mining? And are they doing it in a safe way? Can actually generate an income for, um, you know, the um, for, for government? And this is something that, um, you know, hasn't been, uh, um, you know, followed up. We have given an, um, you know, examples of what is happening in Tanzania as an example, um, you know, because this is actually happening in Tanzania. Tanzania is able to generate billions of dollars every year out of this um, in terms of revenue. And this is something that we are missing. This money is actually then leaving the country, by the way, and there's no tax we're getting out of it. Um, and we, until such time as, A, we begin to then hold the mining companies to account. B, if we're able to then ensure that, uh, you know, we bring an element of safety and security, I spoke about that. But also, thirdly, is when we start dealing with the issue of, um, you know, um, home affairs, which unfortunately doesn't fall within the ambit of the provincial government, but it is a conversation that can actually be had. And then we're able to then ensure that, uh, you know, we can then deal with it. But lastly, is the co- economic spin-off that can come out all out of this if we are able to then do it properly, which then talks to you being able to then talk to the private sector players to then say, look, we are going to then open up this thing, but it's going to be done legally, it's going to be done safely, we will know who's going underground, we will know what kind of material that they're bringing up, um, the cleaning of it, the processing of it is going to be done in a particular way, and therefore this is how we are going to make sure that, uh, you know, from the ground um, to the, um, you know, up to where it's processed and then being sold, we are able to then uh, play a role as government. And this is something that can be done and should be done in order for us to then address and, and, and stop this care. The issue of human settlement is a big problem in, in Gauteng because everybody wants to come here for jobs and, and we can all see what's happening there. And, mm. you know, municipalities are surely not moving as swiftly as possible. And you understand the complexities. Mm-hmm. There, there, mm-hmm. there just isn't enough housing. But we're also mm-hmm. very slow in auditing these municipal-owned buildings. Some, the province owns some of these buildings, auditing them, making sure that at least we can manage that space and use the space we have to house yeah. some of the people that are sitting in, in, in spaces that don't have for real infrastructure. The problem, though, Mr. Msimanga, as you know, is that dealing with human settlement and housing is longer than the five-year term. Mm. And, mm. and generally, politicians, because it's not going to serve you today, you know, don't want to have the long-term view. <laughs> don't want to touch it, yeah. 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 Look, uh, Pimelo, it's, it's, it's a very complicated issue, but it's not only an issue that is limited um, to municipalities. Yes, of course. Um, even in the province of, of, of Kote owns property that is not taken care of. Exactly. In fact, I doubt that some of this property they even know. Yes. I visited two weeks ago properties in Randbeck, and we went to beautiful houses um, in the suburb that have been left, and now 
um, you know, you have squatter camps within those, um, you know, those uh, um, 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 yards that are there with big walls, and you have people that are paying rent, you know, to 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 second the uh, tabo in in, in Ranfontein, um, in uh, in uh, in Randet that uh, you know we were told that there are people that come here with in a venture and then they collect rent and all of that in those particular spaces there. But what needs to happen is that there needs to do to be a number of things. One, I think there needs to be an audit in terms of the houses that have been built because I can tell you right now, you talk to certain people that have registered for an RDP house in 1998, 99, 2000, they will tell you they'd received their happy letters. They've been told that they own houses, but they don't. Um, you know, in, 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 in physical terms, on reality, don't own those houses. Those houses somehow disappeared and got sold by, you know, corrupt politicians and corrupt um, officials. So we need to then do a proper, um, you know, inventory in terms of, um, you know, who has benefited and who has been benefited. Because then you, from there, you're able to then say, what is your real backlog? Because I can tell you right now, the backlog in Gauteng is about 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. And Gauteng will not be able to build more than 35,000 units a year. That is not even going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that you are not going to be able to then catch up with the backlog. So once you do an audit, once you then done with the audit, you then say, can we really look at the model in which we are using to build? Because, you know, building people houses one by one, in reality, is that it's not going to be sustainable because it's not only about building a brick and mortar, you know, unit there. It's about the infrastructure that gets to be connected, the water, the electricity, the roads, and all of that. So we need to then look into that. And we need to then also say where we have open spaces that can actually then be developed um, in, in, without even building the top structures. I've seen where people grab pieces of land. You go to Valmansdal as an example, you see that. You go to, um, um, on the northern side of Pretoria, um, you know, in Bavian, you will see that, that people who will then get pieces of land end up building beautiful houses because they are just saying, look, we just need access at some point. But then we need to make sure that government is then ready to um, develop um, and, and ensure that there is infrastructure that goes in before people then get to be allocated stands. And therefore, as much as you will not be able to then provide a house for everybody, but you can at least go as far as to ensure that somebody has a stand, that stand has a flushing toilet, has a metered electricity feed into it, has running water with a meter that is running into it, so that you are able to then say, well, we can then give you the, um, the certificate of occupancy to this piece of land because it has all the basic that you will need, and then you can then build from there. And then you can then concentrate on those that will not be able to then build for themselves. That will then reduce, um, you know, the, um, the, the numbers of people that are still expecting, um, you know, RDP houses, for an example. But there's a extra element to that. The extra element to that is that there is also um, people who are saying, look, we are coming from uh, um, rural areas of South Africa. So you would know that Gauteng is a very much migrant um, intense province. So you have people that are coming from outside of Gauteng who are coming from Limpopo, the Eastern Cape and all of that. And they are saying, look, I'm here to work, um, and at some point I will want to go home. So I need affordable rental um, space. So then that's when you also now need to have uh, form partnerships with the 
private sector to then say, look, let's look into ensuring that we have affordable rental stock that, you know, can be made available closer to where people are working, closer to where the economic um, activities are taking place. That will also um, resolve some of the um, settlement challenges that we have in Gauteng. Mm. So the the province as well as the city, um, you know, obviously has to manage not one city. All cities in the province have to manage mm-hmm. procurement. We spoke about governance earlier on. But one of the things that I think many, many small businesses complain about is that, sure, put in all those procurement governance structures in place. We have no problem. Mm-hmm. But government is really bad in paying uh, businesses. Yeah. Really, really bad. In, in fact, so much so that there are many, many businesses that tank because of mm-hmm. the delayed payment by mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. You've been at mm-hmm. the center of local government, for instance. That needs to be unlocked. What do you think has to happen there? Well, first of all, I think um, government in most um, instances needs to move away from the Stone Age. We need to move into a, um, into a, um, into the into into the 22nd. I would even say the 21st century. I would say the 22nd century, where we need to then digitize everything that we are doing, so that you are able to in real time, you know, track, you know, um, you know, invoices. You're able to then check whether people have signed off and ensure that people are then able to then be paid what is due to them on time. You need to also make it very, very much compulsory because it is something that should uh, um, be illegal if you're not able to then people, uh, to pay people on time, especially when it can be verified that, uh, um, you know, they, they've complied and actually they've provided the service. Um, you know, the, 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 the Finance Management Act is very much prescriptive in terms of ensuring that people are then paid on time. Um, by government. So this is something that, um, you know, we need to then look into and need to make sure that uh, once you then start getting into the new age, you're able to then um, digitize um, your your running um, of procurement and you're able to then, uh, you know, get the best service ever. But there's another element to this. We have also said that part of the problem is that, uh, you know, um, we, we, we're lacking in terms of project management. And part of project management, people tend to think that it's all about, uh, you know, planning for a project and somebody's going to build. But also, how you then go and check what you are building, what you're supplying, whether it's coming on time, whether you're able to then get people to sign off on time so that, you know, there is an easy flow um, of information that leads to then people getting paid. That needs to be sorted out. And this is why when we're looking at an overhauling of the system from a government perspective, this is one of the things that is receiving or will be receiving attention. We all know that Gauteng Health, we all know about Gauteng Health. <laughs> and that will take some doing. You've got to give us a sense of how you think you would turn around Gauteng Health. Yes. You want to repeat that, Kimela? I lost uh, you yes, I was saying everybody knows that Gauteng Health has been a problem for a long time. And and I'm saying you'd have to tell us, you know, how do you think Gauteng Health would be turned around? Well, thank you for that, Kimela. You know, in Gauteng, there's very quick um, and easy wins uh, from the get-go. One is that uh, you need to decentralize um, the running of, of hospitals. Right now, Hospitals have to rely at a central department to do certain things. I think I remember going to one hospital doing an oversight and we were told that the operations cannot be um, conducted because there is no clean linen. And there's no clean linen because somebody didn't pay the service provider, so the service provider hasn't actually then delivered that linen. And they are waiting for, um, you know, the provincial office to then, okay, or, or to then, uh, you know, um, authorize and actually then pay over. This is something that can be avoided. 
you're having hospitals like Galafoam right now that are in a, in a very, very scary state. And had we now had the CEOs that are in power to make sure that they are able to, at that local level, take decisions in terms of maintenance, take decisions in terms of procuring what they need to keep going, um, you will be able to then address half of your problems that you're sitting with. But then it goes a little bit further. You are then able to then say, once we have competent people that are heading, um, you know, this, uh, um, you know, government uh, or this, uh, this hospitals and clinics, you also now need to then ensure that there's ongoing training of our staff members. And this is not only, um, you know, in, in hospitals, it goes also with, uh, with, the, with the South African police, unfortunately. This is what we have picked up, that most of them don't even have competency certificates when it comes to them using firearms. And this is a problem and a scary one, that you have police that haven't been to their competency shooting, um, you know, for a very, very long time while the law prescribed that they need to be there twice a year. So these are some of the things that need to be addressed, and you need to then ensure that going forward, you have you empower the, the, the local management for them to be able to then take decisions in terms of many, um, uh, maintenance, in terms of uh, procuring what they need to then continue running, and also, again, then you bring in the other issue of digitization to make sure that our hospitals are, you don't have people spending on Tuesdays early in the morning still waiting for their files to be brought forward and then you know for medication to be ordered or whatever the case may be the moment you start moving into that particular space and direction you'll find that our hospitals will be a whole lot better um, run than what they currently are at this point in time all right we've got to leave it there solim simanga who is the Gauteng premier candidate uh, he delivered what he calls the true state of the province today as we know on monday the premier of the province will be delivering his state of the province address you missed it live. Catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.